millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen. And I'm Sadie Carpenter. And today we are talking about something that I have been looking forward to for so long. Yeah, we saved this for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> I am just so thrilled. I'm so thrilled that we got to this. Um, I have been, I have spent like the last two weeks doing nothing but watching videos of this guy doing exorcisms. I have watched so many. I feel like my brain has turned into mashed potatoes, but I am, I have enjoyed it. It's been truly enjoyable. Yeah, this is really fun. This is going to be a great episode. I'm really excited for this. We're Um, talking about a questionably scrupulous exorcism expert who has led a wild life, including going on tour with Slayer, exercising thousands of demons in Ukraine, performing exorcisms over Skype, and consulting as a demonic expert on major movies, among many other exploits. Yeah, I don't even know what to add to that. It's just like (laughs) (laughs) kind of everything. We are getting into everything. Uh, oh, I should just, I should do a disclaimer. Like before we even get started, we know and acknowledge that some exorcisms can be extremely toxic and harmful. Uh, one of the dearest friends of our podcast, Dinah Housefire, has told us on air about their exorcism that was not, they did not consent to. It was kind of sprung on them. And many listeners have shared similar stories. We know that they can be non-consensual and harmful. That's not really the kind we're talking about today. So we are going to have, it's going to be a lot lighter, I think, today 
a lot more fun. The defining feature is that Bob Larson, who we are talking about today, has consent for every exorcism, at least that we have seen him perform. We have not seen or read any stories about him doing those kind of exorcisms that are sprung on people and are extremely shamey and toxic. So all of the ones that we reviewed for this episode and all of the ones that I was able to find, period, are consensual. And I think that makes a big difference in how much fun we can have with it. Yeah. And we are going to have a lot of fun with it uh, because these videos are truly wild. Truly entertaining. But before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult cult in which she was raised we talk about this cult we talk about other cults we talk about religion we talk about fundamentalism we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole and it is our goal to promote freedom of mind freedom of thought and freedom of religion so if you like our show if you're a fan of our show there's a number of things that you can do to really help us out number one you could join our patreon which is patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast where you will get access to extended, uncensored, and ad-free versions of most of our episodes. Wow. As well as some of Sadie's writings about things such as The Handmaid's Tale. So if you ever want to know what an actual fundamentalism cult survivor thinks of The Handmaid's Tale, that's where you can find it. Patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your show. You can join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Is there anything else I'm missing before I thank our Faith Promise Missions and I gave it all to your patrons, Sadie? I don't think so. Then without further ado, I just need to thank those people, uh, the Faith Promise Missions and I gave it all to your patrons. We have two... I gave it all to your patrons. They are Kathleen Moncrief and Melissa Mosley. Thank you so much, Kathleen and Melissa. Yeah, you are thanks so much to Kathleen and Melissa for joining the I Gave It All tier. I think we put something new on there this last week, didn't we? No, we didn't put anything new, but I got, some, I got some new material for the Supercut that's going to be going up there soon. So okay, cool. Watch for that. I just Our, know that Gavi said some extremely sketchy shit on Mike recently. <laughs> <laughs> i have privileged yeah. information so i know there's yeah. going to be something on there pretty soon yeah it's good i just have to wait until we say some more really sketchy stuff and then i'll put it all up there but then we have our faith promise missions to your patrons faith promise missions to your patrons your names are alex todd allison MacArthur, anisha patel bart's real bff aka big sexy Brittany. Brooke Tolly, Carrie R, Krissa, Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen, the musical, Eleanor Donahue, Elizabeth DeWorth, Emery Fairlosser, Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Meg, who says, I'm just here to send Sadie true crime podcast suggestions. Well, okay, I have to give Meg credit. She did send me a very good true crime podcast. Any that you want to shout out? It was Dr. Death is the one that she sent me most recently. Okay. Well, Meg recommended Dr. Death and Sadie gives that a thumbs up. So thank you so much, Meg, for your uh, uh, Patreon support and for your entertainment. Valuable support. entertainment suggestions. Yes. 
uh, we have Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kat Hedberg, Kay Terwee, Catherine Schneider, Kristen Marie, Lauren Vanderwall, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, Michaela, the yoga pants wearing Subaru driver. We support you in your yoga pants wearing Subaru lifestyle. Sounds like my kind of person. Yeah. Top tier hang. Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arendt, Mike Smith, Miranda Day, Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, Reverend Robert Stutz, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara, The Lady Rabbi, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut, Son of Walnut, and finally, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much to our entire interdenominational crew of podcast supporters on the uh, I Gave It All in Faith Promise Missions tier levels. And thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate your support so much and the gift that you give us of letting us put so much time and energy into the show. Yes, yes, yes. It yes, is yes. It is a gift to me. I love doing this show. I feel like I don't say that enough. Well, I love doing this show with you, and I love our patrons for giving us that opportunity. Um, just one last thing before, one last person I want to thank before we get into the episode is Rachel, who is a fan, who is a listener, who in our email a couple of days ago, um, we opened up to find a fantastic surprise, which is that Rachel, who is a graphic designer, sent us some cool cover art that she made. Um, and this is and which actually came perfect timing for an announcement that we have to make. Uh, say, do you want to talk about this or do you want me to? Go ahead and talk about it. It's your baby, and I'm excited for your whole project thing that you're doing. Okay, well, I've taken on the project of basically remixing and remastering many of the old episodes of the show starting at the beginning so for the first several months of us putting out episodes um and our show has grown considerably in popularity we've got a lot of new fans and you know when new people listen we we tell them go back to the beginning problem is a lot of the beginning stuff was made before we really knew how to do a podcast properly so there's kind of a lot of rough edges that can be a bit rambly the edits can be a bit rough audio quality there are some issues there so basically i i've been going back um and applying basically everything that we've learned in the last two years of doing podcasting um to uh, last two years of doing our show to our old content and so every thursday there will be a new um old episode of the show out and you will be able to tell which one is a remaster because it will have the special awesome artwork that was sent to us by Rachel as the cover art. I really so, I really like this cover art. It's made to look like a hymnal cover. It's extremely cool. And I'm really happy that we are working on those back catalog episodes because they're a testament to how much we've grown. And especially, I really think the biggest thing is that you've become a really good podcast editor. And when we started, we neither one of us had any clue what we were doing. So we're preserving like the the words and the the way we expressed ourselves back then just making it sound a little bit more professional now that we have the tools for that. 
Yeah. And the one thing that I, I love that you brought up, which is that the cover art looks like a hymnal. That's kind of the vibe that we were going for when we came out with like our first, like the OG Leaving Eden logo. And so this kind of embodies the spirit of this new project in that it's the same idea. It's just a little polished up and it looks nicer. Yes, so, because Rachel's a professional. Like an actual, like a, a good graphic designer, not just like me. Man, like I, I have love- Photoshop on my computer, <laughs> so I just kind of took it to... I love fan art. Um, I'm about to make a, a highlight on our Instagram where people can see all the fan art that we've been sent. Anyway, Sadie, do you want to just hit us with that TW and then we can get into the... As you uh, well know, I am always ready to hit people with a TW. <laughs> damn straight. In general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on our show, including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, some of these topics are just gonna come up, but we try to avoid graphic detail unless it's relevant to the story that we're telling on that particular day. We do our best to give the audience a heads up before we go into detail if it's relevant to the story that we're telling. This episode will discuss the satanic panic, evangelists, sexually transmitted demons, yes, really, (laughs) and (laughs) of course, exorcisms. Like I said at the top of the show, we are talking about exorcisms where there is at least some consent from the people who are being exorcised. Um, So that makes them a lot easier to talk about and laugh about than exorcisms that are forced and can be potentially really traumatic. Things like that, I'm sure some of our listeners have been subjected to. That's not really what we're talking about today. Sadie, I guess that we're... we're do you want to just get into it? Uh, we're talking about Dr. Bob Larson. Is he a doctor? Is he a doctor? <laughs> I don't know. Well, these people always have doctor in front of their name. I don't we- think he's... Well, I know he didn't finish college, <laughs> so I know he's not a doctor in the you know traditional sense where, where you earn a PhD. Yeah, but he might have a doctorate from like a Bible college or something like the. Not that I know of. Huh. He okay. seems well- like the kind of guy who would have a doctorate from a Bible college, though. I- I'll give you that. So we've been watching a lot of his videos. Sadie said up at the top. A that lot. She, yeah, a lot of his videos. I watched numerous videos from him. Um, and so in watching Larson's videos and hearing him talk, there are some, some things, some evil, bad things that occur in humans. It seems that he, he just wants to attribute every like bad behavior that humans have to demon possession. Is this like a thing in Christianity or at least in in like fundamentalism that you uh, that you feel the need to attribute every single behavior that a person has to spirituality almost as like a coping mechanism to deal with the realization that some humans are truly evil? So you've almost got that right, but not quite. I think I can explain it. Okay? Please do. Okay. I'm fascinated. You got to hang with me here. <laughs> So for anybody who um, does not already know this, the I'm going to give you the mainstream Christian ideas, and then I'll tell you Bob Larson's take on it, and then I'll actually answer your question, I promise. So the mainstream Christian idea is that just like God has angels who serve God and help carry out his will, the devil has demons. Remember back in the Satanic Panic episode, we talked about the devil fell from heaven with one third of the angels? 
because he led a revolt against God and then he and one third of the angels got kicked out of heaven. Yes, I remember this. Okay, so those one third of the angels, that's who's demons now. That's where they came from. And demons, uh, just like angels assist God, demons assist the devil and do his bidding. We've talked about demons a fair bit in anything related to like the chick comics or the satanic panic in general. So let's define demon possession. Demon possession is something that we see a fair amount of actually in the New Testament. I don't believe it's mentioned at all in the Old Testament. Demon possession refers to a demon living physically inside a person's body and physical brain. It can happen because a person willingly invites a demon in, but more commonly in mainstream Christian belief, it happens because someone accidentally invites a demon in. Like Kind of like how you have to invite a vampire in, but they can trick you into inviting them in. It's exactly like that. So you might accidentally get a demon by using a Ouija board, listening to rock music containing demonic backmasking, anything like that. Some people also believe that you can acquire a demon completely non-consensually, like literally the way that you would catch a cold or get food poisoning. Just like, oops, there was accidentally a demon in the clothes that you bought from a thrift store, and now that demon is attached to you, and maybe it's going to get inside of you and control you. If there's a demon inside you possessing you, that demon can control some of your thoughts and your actions, and the longer it's there, or the more demons are in you, the more they can control. And until eventually the demon, whether you know it or not, is controlling you like a robot and the things that you do are not your choice. They are what the demon is making you do. So I think the most prevalent belief in mainstream Christianity is that people who are saved cannot have a demon inside of them. Because if you're saved, you're already full of Jesus and the demon can't get in there too. Christians can be, in mainstream belief, demonically oppressed. So a demon can be outside of you and causing you problems, like a demon can oppress you and make you feel depressed, or oppress you and make your car break down, bother you, call, cause illness, influence you, like try to talk you into being bad, but they can't live inside of you and control your body the, like a robot the way they can if you are possessed. So that's the mainstream idea. Where Bob Larson veers off from that significantly is that he believes that demons can possess, not just oppress, Christians. So even if you are saved, you can have a demon living inside of you, controlling you like a robot. Perfectly clear, right? <laughs> Total sense? <Yes. laughs> okay. Yeah, but you can have a demon and it can be possessing you like a robot to do bad things. But then when you die because you're saved, you still get to go to heaven. Exactly. That's Bob Larson's view. Um, okay. The more mainstream Christian view is that Christians can't be possessed. You can just have a demon bothering you. So I want to answer your question, which was, is this belief in demonic possession a coping mechanism for dealing with the fact that some people are evil? The answer is actually no, because the people who believe in demon possession at all already believe in the sin curse. So they believe that all people are born wicked and sinful, and it's sin it's, it's your sinful nature that makes you do bad things, uh, which is a source of massive childhood trauma for people who are told that they are inherently sinful and cannot be fixed from preschool. It's They believe that all of us could be as wicked as Hitler if we did not have Jesus inside of us. 
So this is why Christians ask dumb questions when they talk to atheists, like, well, if you don't believe in God, what's stopping you from murdering and stealing all the time? Because the this type of Christian believes that all people are naturally inclined to be evil. And the only reason you don't act in evil ways is either because you're saved and God makes you not want to murder and steal, or if you're not saved, the only reason you don't murder and steal is because you're afraid of the laws of the country that you live in and you don't want to go to jail, so you don't murder and steal. Sidebar, this is why they want to outlaw everything they think is a sin. That was a fascinating explanation. So I'm glad I got to lay out like what demons are at the start of this. No, that made so much sense that now I I feel like I know so much more going forward and we can do this episode and I'm really going to be on a better... uh, It is so hard to explain like salvation and sin theology to you because you do not have that in your religion. Yeah. It is is a completely different paradigm. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go to to talk about um, Bob Larson and his videos. Oh, let's let's do it. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I have maybe a controversial slash non-controversial take to make. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not a hot take, but as much so as much as Bob Larson, his whole shtick is that he goes around and he does exorcisms on people. I am thinking of Bob Larson primarily as like a, a content creator. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You won't see him as an influencer on TikTok or on Instagram. Like he's not Bethany. Or uh, Brittany Dawn. But he makes as much content as those people. Exactly. He, he, he is essentially a content creator. He, like, he does exorcisms, and then he puts videos of his exorcisms on the internet, and that's how he does like his promotion mm-hmm. for... I mean, he's got that, he's got a blog, he's got a Facebook where he does live streams. He is extremely online. Yeah. Because of that, I think it's only fair... That we decide to to where are we going to rank him against, say, Paul and Morgan, or against like Kelly Havens, or against like uh, uh, Bethany and Kristen? I don't really know how to answer that question because we haven't assigned like numerical value to those people. Like, I don't know what what is our current ranking of those people. So I put as like top tier was J Rod. And this is my system is purely based on how entertaining these people are to me. Oh, how entertaining they are. Okay, how, okay. I'll play. Yeah, and so I number one was J-Rod. Bob Larson's a close second. I agree. Uh, Bethany has been getting pretty mess- messy on Instagram lately in like a relatable way, not like her normal super cringe way. So uh, she, would, she would be rising in that ranking for me. But as far as entertaining, uh, Bob Larson is massively entertaining. Because th- Bethany is trying to buy a house. Yes. Isn't she? And she's having difficulty trying to buy a house, which and is... And also might become Lutheran. Really? Yeah, I like scrolled past it on the Fundy Snark subreddit and I wasn't paying 100% attention. But what I got from that post is she's not super happy with like the evangelical church and wants to try out more traditional types of worship services. Well... I love that for her. Um, I think it might be grounding for her. Yeah, I think that she might get some some value out of that uh, uh, personally. And I hope that she does successfully buy a house because it's tough out there. I just have to you say, I, I also hope Bethany decides to become less racist. 
if Bethany from Girl Defined started giving people exorcisms over the internet, maybe she wouldn't have to like be out here hucking mentorship classes or whatever it is that she's selling these days. She is selling an online course about how to write and sell successful online courses. And she is selling it for $2,000. And she has never done an online course before. Has anyone bought them yet? It's not done yet. She keeps saying it's going to be done next week. It's going to be done next week. Well, you know what? I wish her all the best. And I hope that she does buy a house because that's a nice thing for her and her family. And I want her kids to grow up somewhere. Uh, I, like, like a yard. Yeah. I mean, I care about, I care about her, her kid and her second kid who is on the way, but I feel like this selling a course on how to make courses is super grifty, even for Bethany. I mean, you got to eat, got to eat. You know, so do <laughs> I, but I'm not. I'm not selling an online course about how to make courses. No, but we could sell online courses about how to do a podcast. We could. I don't want to. No, I don't want to either. No, she should start doing exorcisms over the internet because if she does that, then maybe, you know, people will. You know what? I will give you that. I would watch Bethany do an exorcism any day. Who would be the funniest famous fundy to watch perform an exorcism? Oh, (laughs) J-Rod. Sorry, we keep coming back to J-Rod, but it is Halloween. It is is the season of J-Rod. It's not even close. It's truly not even close. Like, that's... She's like the Victor Wembanyama of of fundies who we would want to watch perform an exorcism. Clearly the number one choice. No, I, I like I'm imagining if like Paul and Morgan did like a uh, an exorcism video. Morgan would never get to do the exorcism because pa- she would start doing it and then Paul would just butt in and do the whole thing for her. Which is ironic because Morgan would probably be way better at doing an exorcism. Yeah, she'd just roll her eyes and be like, Ugh, of course it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so And then they could post another video about how Paul gets horny when they fight. Great. Just what we uh, need. (laughs) So speaking of Paul and Morgan, uh, you know how Paul and Morgan, like mainly Paul, has to do a video on anything that goes on in pop culture and then like make that like the culture war be a whole thing. Yep. My impression is that Bob Larson does the exact same thing. Except instead of it being, oh, it's the woke agenda doing this thing, it's, oh, it's demons doing this thing, which honestly, to me, is kind of a breath of fresh air. It has led in some interesting directions. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I have some stuff to tell you about that, though. Yeah, because you know how Jesus is the answer to every question. Right. I feel like for Bob Larson, demons is the answer to every question. (laughs) So I caught from one of the many videos that I watched about Bob Larson that he believes up to 50% of people worldwide are demon-possessed currently. 50%? Yes, that is that was just a, a little piece that I picked up from one of the videos I watched. You know what I would love to see? What? I would love to see like a Bob Larson billboard or like Bob Larson on QVC. Because I feel like his he has very much like a, but wait, there's more vibe to him. Oh, just wait. I'm going to get into all of the stuff that he sells and how he sells it. I would love to see him team up with Christine Week, the monster energy lady. Oh, they'd probably try to do exorcisms on each other and then it would just be battle of the crazies. That would be fantastic. We would probably like try to do an exorcism. Somebody should show up to one of his live streams and ask him what he thinks about exorcisms in uh or or demons in the monster energy 
can. You know, he has he has live streams and he has live shows. And if he ever does one in Portland, I am going to it. Show up with blue hair and bring some monster I want to see. Well, if I show up with blue hair, he's going to try to kick a demon out of me. And uh, I would consent to that for purposes of this podcast. That sounds extremely entertaining. I would watch that. Oh, my God. I could be YouTube famous. (laughs) Okay. So I want to clarify one more minor difference that I forgot between Bob and the mainstream fundamentalist or evangelical belief, uh, because it's going to become important later. And then I want to tell you, like, biographical information, like, who is this guy and how did he get to what he is? So mainstream evangelicals believe that one human individual can be possessed by multiple demons. This is pretty common belief. Stories about demon possession in the New Testament show this. There were people who were possessed by seven demons or people who were possessed by 300 demons. The thing that I can see from Bob Larson that I don't see from the mainstream is that he believes one demon can possess an unlimited number of people. So in mainstream evangelical culture, if you're possessed by Satan, then he's like in you right now. But in five minutes, he might leave you and go possess somebody like possess somebody else. And then when he's done with that person, he's going to move on and possess somebody else. Bob Larson believes that Satan could potentially possess me and you and a hundred other people at the same time. I just, I wanted to get that out there while we're talking about his like differences from evangelical belief, because this is going to come up in the second half when Jezebel possesses everyone (laughs) everyone (laughs) jezebel is in everybody leviathan is in like 50 percent of people (laughs) are you ready to like find out who this guy is and where he came from please do please tell us all about bob larson so bob larson grew up in nebraska he was an extremely all-american 60s teenager he's a lot older than you think he is he's like 75 now He looks kind of ageless in some of his recent videos. So Bob was a high school athlete. He sang in a rock band and he wanted to go to college to be a doctor. He was this very like all-American kid. When he went to University of Nebraska, however, go Huskers, go Huskers, he became a born again Christian while he was there. Think about the 60s. Think about Bill Gothard, basic youth conflicts. Think about campus crusades. It makes sense that he found Jesus in uh, in college in the early 60s. So he immediately started his career as a traveling evangelist, not doing demons. He was warning crowds around the country about the dangers of rock and or roll. He because he had been in a band. He'd been in like this little rock band and he played that up to be this huge story about how he led the rock and roll lifestyle. His band played like three gigs at like Elks Lodges for sock hops. But he the way he told the story, he was like a big name rock star and he led the rock and roll lifestyle and he knows about how it's all demonic. I really tried to find some of these early sermons. I couldn't get a hold of any of them. This was really interesting to me, though, because you remember John Todd really hit his stride and got going on the whole rock and roll is demonic. I used to be a Satanist 
Grand Druid, whatever, uh, John Todd really started getting moving in 1968, 1969. Those were his big years. Bob Larson was actually an early adopter. He was traveling, preaching about the dangers of rock music several years before John Todd was, and he published published books against rock music in 1967, 1969, 1971, and Reaction. There is no you're going to hell reaction. There's none of that. 
if you just look him in the face and say, I don't believe that. It was on this radio show, Talk Back, where he had call-ins from atheists, from self-identified Satanists, quite a few big and small heavy metal performers. It seems like this was maybe like the thing to do among like certain parts of the heavy metal community was just like, hey, I'm bored. What should I do? Oh, call this crazy guy, Bob Larson, and get live on air with him and debate him about whether heavy metal is satanic. Makes for great content. It does. Uh, the One of the guys from Deicide was like a regular caller, apparently. Bob made friends through the show with this guy, Bob Guccione Jr. Does that name ring a bell for you? No. His dad was the founder of Penthouse Magazine. Bob Guccione Really? Senior. Yeah. Wow. So Guccione Jr., he started Spin Magazine, kind of on his dad's coattails. Wow. And really? he... <laughs> He was constantly calling into Bob Larson's show and they like didn't agree on very much, but they made friends over this. And this is where we get to possibly my favorite bit of Bob Larson lore. Bob Guccione Jr. paid Bob Larson to go on a short leg of a European tour with the band Slayer. Maybe you've heard of them. Oh, really? Really? Rain and Blood Slayer. Rain and Blood Angel of Death Slayer. Hell yeah. The Slayer. The Slayer, Carrie King. And this is back when Jeff Hanneman was around. So like, really, really Slayer. So Bob toured with Slayer in late fall 1989, I believe. And he wrote an article. He did like a German, the German leg of their tour. I believe he was with them for like two to four weeks. He wrote an article about it for Spin Magazine. I have linked this article in our Patreon source post, which is a free post on Patreon that everybody can access. I absolutely recommend this article. It's a good read, and it's a great window into Bob's actual beliefs. So Bob lived in the charter bus with Slayer for weeks. He They gave him the top bunk because he was like the traveling preacher dude that was going on tour with them. <laughs> wow. Like, Slayer's record company made them tour with a traveling exorcist preacher truly wild yeah and they're like fine but he has to sleep on the top bunk because none of us want the top bunk (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna tell you a lot about like the article that he wrote the funniest part is that he mentioned that he really expected there to be more porno magazines there was only one in the whole bus and he seemed kind of disappointed about this Wait, you mean all these guys were sharing a porno magazine? According to Bob, it was on the coffee table in the, like the charter bus. So they, they had like a bus. And so the back of it is like dorms or like bunk beds. And then the front of it is like a living room type area where everybody would hang out uh, after the shows before they all went off to bed. He said this one particular porno magazine that they did have, it was on the coffee table in the living room area. So it's not like they were taking it to their bunks with them. They were just like, they were just like, oh, we're metal dudes. We just have pornography lying around because we're cool like that. It's a high class literature. If you know anything about Carrie King, this is like super on brand. This does not surprise me. (laughs) Bob talks about like the general rock and roll lifestyle a good bit in this article. He talks about the Slayer stage setup with giant pentagrams and upside down crosses. He talks about all the weed that the guys smoked on the bus. Um, (laughs) 
have a feeling he got a pretty strong contact eye, although he does not mention that in his article. He talks about the guys watching old school horror movies on the bus. He talks about the satanic t-shirts that the fans wore for the show and the things that he finds objectionable in Slayer's lyrics. But he starts asking himself in this article, like, do I really see these things as demonic? And the answer is no. Really? Really. The weed and the horror movies and the one singular porno mag and the giant pentagrams and the upside down crosses, those aren't the demons. He saw them more as set dressing for actual potential demons. His take on Slayer is amazingly nuanced for like a fundamentalist Christian exorcist man. He seems to see the members of Slayer as basically good guys, relatable human beings who have made the understandable bad choice of being led astray by the rock and roll lifestyle. The main fault he finds in them is that they smoke too much weed and they are unconcerned if their young fans are led into actual Satanism by their lyrics. So it's not your lyrics are satanic. It's like, oh, come on, guys, your lyrics are going to make people want to be actually satanic. You shouldn't do that to our youth. That's his take. See, I find that really interesting because isn't that the same sort of take that you or I would have for a lot of these like provocateur types, you know, the, the types of people who being irreverent to be irreverent, or they're the kinds of people who are trying to be a liberal for the sake of being a liberal, you know, to like challenge what they see as the status quo, even if it's not something that they stand behind 100% of the time. But then yeah, there's John Lydon. It's like the person that comes to mind for me when you say that. I don't know John Lydon. But... Uh, Johnny Rotten, lead singer of the Sex Pistols. Oh, He's had yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. career after that. But then there's like always going to be impressionable people who are watching that or who are looking at that and they hear those sentiments coming from somebody who they find charismatic and then that might lead them down a dangerous path. Like I'm in the middle of doing a deep dive in like a research deep dive into the manosphere for an upcoming episode. And this is, that's like how a lot of people get sucked into that. Yeah. Like one person says something that is outrageous and they clearly mean it to be a provocateur type thing. And somebody sees that and they find it funny and then they repeat it and somebody said, and somebody gets offended by that. And then they're just like, well, well, we're just, you know, free speech and we're just pushing the envelope and we should be free to push the envelope. But some impressionable person way down the line doesn't have the life experience to see this for what it is and they take it seriously and they end up doing dangerous things. Yeah. Or harmful things or hurting other people. That's exactly Bob's take on Slayer is like, they're not all bad. They're just being, they're just being evil to be evil. Like they're not really full of demons or hurting anybody. At least they're not any more full of demons than 50% of the world population are. (laughs) But I'm worried that they are going to influence young people who don't know any better to get into actual demonic practices. It's not an unreasonable take. No, Like I don't, I don't share that worry that Bob is expressing, but it's a very logical take on 1989 Slayer. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, we got to move on from Slayer. I would give so much money to be a fly on the wall for that entire tour. 
That's a fantastic nugget. So after returning or around the time that he went on this tour with Slayer, uh, Larson started offering exorcisms over the radio on his show, on his call-in talk radio show. It's unclear exactly when Larson started doing exorcisms. He had written in the past about exorcisms should be private. They shouldn't be a spectator sport. It's between me and that person and God and like whoever they brought with them to like help save their soul. And he turned on a dime at some point in the 80s and started doing public exorcisms first over his radio show. This is also when he shifts his branding because he had been branded, he had like branded himself for almost two decades at this point as a expert on the occult and an expert on Satan and demons and rock music and like teen problems. And as he's moving, I guess, into his 40s and later 40s, he rebrands as an expert on getting the demons out of a person. So in 1991, Bob published his first novel. It's called Dead Air. He published it with Thomas Nelson. Those of you never fundies out there may or may not know who this is. Thomas Nelson is a major, major conservative Christian publishing company. In the Christian publishing world, this is like having your first novel published by like Simon & Schuster. It's an extremely big deal for your first novel to get picked up by Thomas Nelson. It shows that he had some notoriety and popularity at the time in 1991. This is kind of the height of his, the height of the first wave of his career. Of course, with notoriety and popularity come a rash of scandals, of course. Oh, God. So first, a former staffer at his ministry claimed that not only had married man Bob Larson been participating in some pretty serious workplace sexual harassment, but also Ah. that she had ghostwritten the majority of the recently published novel Dead Air without credit. Really? Yeah. So he had an affair with a woman who worked for his ministry and... I am not 100% sure I have this right. I've read as much as I can about it. The understanding I have is that he sexually harassed her at work, which was not necessarily consensual. But then later she changed her mind and had a consensual sexual affair with him. That is that mm. is my best understanding. Even if it's like a consensual affair, that's still somebody who works for him and that's still a problem. It's still someone who works for him, which is a problem. And also he's married to somebody else, which is a problem. This guy was the Try Guys before that happened. Was his whole thing on his radio show about how into his marriage he was? No, it was about how to get demons out of people. Was he always talking about his smoking hot wife? I don't know. I don't know. I looked for for this particular, like, early episodes of this radio show, but I couldn't find them. Yeah, so he's not a wife guy. I don't think he was a wife guy. No. I think that's the only difference. (laughs) So that happened. There were like many, many affair allegations. None of them that I could see were non-consensual affair allegations. It would be more like Bob Larson is a married man. He's on a trip to kick some demons out of people in a different city. He hits on a woman. The woman's like, you shouldn't be hitting on me. You're married. And Bob Larson continues to hit on this woman, and then she does consent to having sex with him. This could be seen as coerced consent, especially because Bob Larson is such a persuasive person and possibly low-key a hypnotist, which we're going to talk about. 
And also possibly there's speculation that at one point he drugged somebody for content purposes. There is. I don't believe that. Spec- I watched the video. I don't believe that particular speculation. We're going to get to it in like five minutes. I personally, and he and the person that he maybe drugged was for an exorcism video and nothing sexually inappropriate. So it's really hard to say what his sexual ethics were or how bad this was. It is pretty solid that he did have affairs at the very minimum. So, uh, Bob, another another issue is that his ministry had withdrawn from the Evangelical Council for Financial Responsibility. And there was very good reason to think that there was some funny business going on with millions of dollars of donation money. What? That's shocking. I know. Like, <laughs> famous fundamentalist man has affairs and mishandles money. Never heard that one before. That's the first time that's ever happened in history. It, it is, indeed. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, there is plausible deniability that the affairs were consensual, so he's doing better than some folks. So in 2001, the talk show went off the air, and this is when we get like the second Bob Larson rebrand as an internet personality primarily and an in-person personality. So he moves away from like the talk show and being public being broadcast on TBN. And he moves into this new phase where he does in-person and internet stuff. I do not know when he started wearing a priest collar, but it should be brought up because it's a thing he does sometimes. It's He says it's to scare the demons and make sure they know who's in charge. Maybe it's because he watched the movie The Exorcist and wanted to look like the priest in that movie. Because like, I, I totally believe that if it was 100% for aesthetics and credit to him, it does kind of look cool. I 100% concur this is because he thinks it looks cool, and that is the only reason. Speaking of The Exorcist, he has been a consultant uh, as a demonic expert on some major movies about demons. Really? Yeah. Like like what? Like The the Conjuring? Like the, I cannot the- remember. It wasn't The Conjuring, but it might have been something like in that universe. I cannot remember which, which movie he was fairly recently a consult on. Do you want me to try to look it up? Yeah, maybe it was like Pray for the Devil. That might have been it. Because honestly, if Bob Larson is doing your The your Devil demon, Inside is the name of the movie. You, I mean, if Bob Larson is doing the 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 demon consultation for a, a, a horror movie, the horror movie is probably going to have uh, pretty theologically accurate demons. I mean, kind of. So he, yeah, he was the he consulted on the movie called The Devil Inside. That's the name of the movie. Maybe we should watch that. See how it maybe is. we should. Yeah. And he's been in like he's been on a, a good handful of documentaries, which we are actually about to talk about. There's one exorcism that was done for a documentary that I want to talk about on background of who this guy is before we go to the offering and get wild discussing and dissecting some of his exorcisms. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I have to tell you about this one other thing first. So uh, I'm just going to read a quote from Rational Wiki. In Australia, Bob Larson is best known for his appearance on John Safran versus God in 2004. In his eight-part series, John Safran investigated and road-tested a number of religions from, from around the world. In the final episode, Safran visited Larson and was exorcised of the, quote, demons from these religions. In interviews after the airing of the episode, Safran said he did not remember much of the experience. 
Hypotheses to explain Saffron's behavior include some sort of hypnotism or trance-like state, or even spiking the water that Larson forced Saffron to drink at one point. So that's the drugging accusation. And you watched the video of the interview. I watched the entire John Saffron versus God episode. Uh, I have the, it's in three parts on YouTube. I have the first part linked in that Patreon source post. Highly recommend people check it out if they have an extra 30 minutes. I watched the whole thing and I watched parts of it twice just to make sure I had what was going on here. So John Saffron is a journalist. Um, if you have seen Dark Tourist or Dark Tourism, I can't remember the, the name. It's by David Ferrier. If you've seen anything by David Ferrier, this guy is very similar just like 20 years prior. Um, by the way, f***ing love David Ferrier. In case anybody couldn't <laughs> have predicted that. Um, yeah. One of my absolute favorite people. So this guy, John Saffron, he's very similar in vibe to David Ferrier. He's a journalist and the TV series, he did this eight-part TV series, and the point of it was to engage with different religions in good faith, just from a very neutral point of view. Like, I am going to go fully immerse myself in this religious thing and experience it with no expectation of, like, I'm going to walk out a skeptic or I'm going to walk out a believer. None of that, just like, I'm going to try it. He did some very diverse world religions. He did some Santeria. He did some meditating with Buddhist monks. And he did a, a Muslim curse on somebody. Oh, he got crucified in the Philippines. He did that. He did a lot of stuff. So then he comes to Bob Larson in the final episode of this TV show to see if he picked up any demons from all these religions that he was engaging with. It's worth noting that Saffron is Jewish. This is going to come back later. Oh, God. Ugh. It could be worse. It's bad, but it could be worse. <laughs> oh, no, I'm preparing myself, man. <coughs> okay, hit me. So Saffron comes in <laughs> to do this consultation with Bob. Bob get Bob Larson gives him an extensive questionnaire, like 20 pages. He asks him all of these questions, and some of it's basic stuff like, have you ever used a Ouija board? Um, have you ever used tarot cards? Have you ever seen a demonic movie? Have you ever been to a rock concert? Like, there's like that, like basic level stuff, but there's a lot of very personal questions. And he fills, so Saffron fills out this questionnaire. Bob Larson's conclusion is, of course, that Saffron has a lot of demons from a lot of different sources. So he's got demons from the Santeria where they sprinkled him with blood. He's got demons from the Buddhism, and he's got demons from the Islamic practices that he did, and he's got demons from the crucifixion in the Philippines. But also, he has demons from his Jewish ancestry. Oh, no. Well, okay. Bob Larson be believes, and we will get into this more after the break, but Bob Larson believes that everyone has demons from their ancestry. So he's not specifically being anti-Semitic quite because everybody like Bob Larson believes that I have demons from like my Irish and Welsh ancestry because they were witches or something. So everybody has demons from their ancestry. But according to Bob Larson, Saffron's ancest recent ancestors like two and three generations ago rejected God because of the pain and suffering of the Holocaust. And Bob Larson's take is uh -oh. like, hey, that's completely understandable. That is terrible pain and suffering. It is. It makes sense that they rejected God, 
but it brought a demon of confusion into your family line. And that demon of confusion is what's making you engage with all of these demonic religions and pick up more demons. So, of course, the first thing that Larson makes Saffron do is verbally out loud forgive Hitler so that he can exercise the demon of confusion from him. Yeah. It was not going that bad until it was. So, this isn't the dumbest thing I've ever heard evangelical Christians say about the Holocaust, but it's probably in the bottom five. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I have a lot to say about this, uh, and we probably don't have time for it. It's been a week for the Jews. Um, the week we're recording mm-hmm. this uh, is the week. It, it's, it, it's, it's the week when Kanye is saying all of his stuff. And yeah, I'm we are just, living in the immediate uh, aftermath of Kanye being Kanye uh, once again. <laughs> That's a demon noise. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just, I just really don't want to deal with another f-ing thing right now. I just. No, that's, you know, that's totally fair. I, so I didn't want to pass up that event because I feel like it's significant, but we do not have to discuss it right now. I kind of figured that you might want to save that for another day. There is plenty more to say about this exorcism. I do think the, it's extremely important to note that one of Bob's fundamental beliefs and teaching is that, is that curses and demons are passed down through the generations of a family. We've talked about generational sin before, where like some Christians believe like, oh, your father was predisposed to gambling and alcoholism, so you are genetically predisposed to that thing, which is a little bit more rational. Other Christians believe, well, your father gambled and drank too much, so you have a curse of generational sin, and you are also going to gamble and drink too much if you don't find Jesus. This is that just a literal physical demon also being passed down through a bloodline. I do want to point out, so when I say that Larson is compassionate, the typical fundy take is your ancestors sinned by rejecting God during a terrible time, and now you have a demon, and it's their fault. Bob Larson is not that. Bob Larson is, I understand why your ancestors had a spirit of doubt during a terrible time. They made a bad decision to reject God, but you can have redemption from that decision. You can get that demon out and you can forgive on behalf of your ancestors and take some of that sin away from them. I'm not saying his teachings are non-toxic. I am saying that he is significantly more compassionate than the IFB that I grew up with. And I hope I'm making that distinction clearly enough. This method of approaching generational demons is Bob's usual method. He applies this to everybody. We'll come back to it. Yeah, the one thing that I think about this, where I think we should talk about this in the future, is there's there's an idea that we see a lot of times that fundamentalist Christians have about it being a good thing to forgive your abuser. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, of, of course, you know this. Because because you've lived it that they'll you know that that forgiving your abuser is a virtue in some circumstances the whole you know turn the other cheek thing so I'd like to dissect this video further uh, but I think it would do well in its own episode if that sort of forgiveness the kind of toxic forgiveness were uh, one that we were going to talk about which I think would be a really fascinating epi- uh, episode to do 
I I agree. We should put that on our list. So there was one other man. I want to move on to one other thing about the John Safran video that has to be talked about. John Safran did not go into this experience believing in demons or believing that he was possessed by demons. He went in with journalistic curiosity. And then later, as I read earlier, he later said that he didn't remember much of his exorcism experience with Larson. And I thought that was fascinating. This is what sparked all of the did Larson hypnotize him? Did Larson drug him? Kind of speculation. I found a quote from Saffron about this in an interview that he did. He said, Once I was lulled into it, it's hard to remember any of it. There was one occasion at the end where they were pulling on my arm at weird angles and I broke out of it. It was definitely weird. So like I read earlier, some of Saffron's fans thought that Larson drugged the holy water that they forced him to drink at one point during the exorcism. And I just don't buy it. The reason I don't buy it is we saw Saffron participating, seeming very glazed over, seeming very in the mindset that he was in for the entire exorcism. We saw him in that mindset on two different occasions before he drank anything that Larson forced him to drink. I think the answer is more along the lines that Larson, whether he knows it or not, is a fairly talented hypnotist, or he unintentionally bullies people, or intentionally, we don't know, bullies people into panic attacks, and then they believe, oh, I'm feeling something, I must really be possessed, and then they act accordingly because that's the that's what they believe. We'll get into it more later, but that's why I do not think Larson drugged John Safran. That is so wild. That <laughs> So there's plenty of room for speculation on did Larson, does Larson know the power that he has over people and is he doing it on purpose? Is Has he trained himself to be able to wield this kind of power over people? I think there's tons and tons of room to talk about that. I just don't think that drugging people is the answer. Let's talk about what Larson is up to these days. <laughs> Since the end of his radio show, as we referenced at the top of this episode, he has been doing tons of things in the field of exorcisms. He's an extremely busy guy. One interesting detail is that he does exorcisms through Skype for a donation of $295. I don't know how he does, because, you know, if you watch his videos, he has to hit people with like a cross or hit people with a Bible, like physically. So I don't know how he would do it over... Like Skype. So I haven't seen an official answer from Larson on this. I'm guessing he would say something along the lines of like, well, those items help move the process along, but it's the power of God that kicks the demons out. Maybe it's like SM Davis, you know, where where he's like the the Skype exorcism might work, but you have to pay the whole price to get the in-person exorcism done if you want it to really (laughs) take it out. Don't buy the CDs that we sell. So I watched one of these Skype exorcisms, and I'm really glad we weren't recording until tonight because I found it this morning. I finally found one. It was live streamed on his Facebook page. So Bob does swing the cross at the camera. He does most of his normal stuff except for touching the person with his cross that he has. It seems like, so a couple thoughts, the Skype one moved much more slowly than the ones in person. I'm not sure if that's just editing. The ones on YouTube are edited. You see the cuts of a good bit. But the ones on YouTube are usually edited down to 8 or 10 minutes. The Skype one took more like 20, 25 minutes. The one on Skype, the woman being exercised did not answer a lot of his questions. 
she didn't maybe just didn't know the answers in the way that someone in person usually does, which again brings me back to the theory of like, it's social pressure. You're in a room, all these people before you have been getting exercised. So you know how to go through with this exorcism. You know the answers that you're supposed to give. And Bob Larson and the power of suggestion, whether he means to wield it over you or not, leads you down this road of behaving as if you were demon possessed and then behaving as if you have received an exorcism. The woman on Skype was much more reticent, much slower to answer than the people in the edited YouTube videos from live exorcisms typically are. For example, he asked her what demons were in her and she just didn't answer. So he had to lead her. He had to do really, really strong leading questions like, is Leviathan in you? Is it Jezebel? Is it death? And then later, that's a good Bob Larson, isn't it? (laughs) So then later... He asked her who her ancestors did sacrifices to, and she didn't know. And then she finally says, uh, Molech? So the skeptical, and she's like, it, like, do I have the right answer? <laughs> so the skeptical or rational explanation would be, well, this woman getting exercised over Skype hasn't sat through a bunch of other exorcisms and sees seen other people's answers and other people's behavior. And that's why Bob Larson had to coach her through to get the answers and behavior that he wanted. So one one more thing about the Skype exorcism. Bob has people watching live. He said, quote, strike this thing with your emojis. <laughs> he <laughs> literally asked people on his live stream to send emojis against this demon that he was fighting. Which emojis are you going to send against the demon? You wouldn't send demon emojis against the demon, would you? I don't know. I wasn't able to see, like... I was watching a replay of this, so I wasn't able to see like what emojis people sent. What if you were on? We should go on to the like the next time he does one on live, and then just send a bunch of demon emojis. <laughs> see how I, he reacts. I do not know what would happen. It seems very <laughs> fascinating. Um, I'm going to try to link the video. It's a Facebook video, so it's a little tricky to link. But if you do get the link from me, it's at 4520. Is when he tells people to strike the demon with emojis. So. <laughs> One more thing about this this Skype exorcism. This is a sidebar, but I think it's worth telling. The live exorcism video I was watching is titled Bob Larson versus QAnon Demons. Oh, my God. We know from other sources that Bob Larson is a Republican and was a pretty big Trump fan. But his take on QAnon is there's a little truth there, but it's mixed with a lot of lies. QAnon is, quote, Bob Larson's words, a conspiracy cult. And it's not okay to mix truth with a lot of lies to get attention for the truth. So this woman that he is doing an exorcism on, he is exorcising her from the demons that made her believe in QAnon. Oh my god. So yeah, the bar is on the floor, but this guy is consistently above the bar. (laughs) Do you think that we should see if we can get Bob Larson to do like a mass exorcism of people in this country just to see if it'll work? That's, you know, at this point, I'm down. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> because, like, we're going to talk more about, like, what his exorcisms... We're going to do a play-by-play of what his exorcisms actually look like. Um, but I kind of feel like they are not harming people. 
Uh, Bob did say, just while you're planning this mass exorcism, Bob did say that an exorcism through Twitter would be ridiculous. So I guess he has to be able to speak to the person directly. Okay, so Trump's not getting exercised via Twitter by Bob Larson. I mean, Trump would probably love to meet Bob Larson. And then as long as Larson can just like pull one over on him and go into the exorcism. Can we, like, how... That... (laughs) But does that answer your question about how Skype exorcisms work? Yes, and also absolutely not in any way. <laughs> See, I don't know. I get- yeah, you should get used to that feeling for the rest of the episode. Just, this is, this is- just lean into it, bud. Man. No, I like. So I do get confused about this because I feel like a lot of times, um, and and this is something I guess I've noticed is that he'll use like a Bible or he'll use like a physical object of a cross in his exorcism. Um, yes. To, like touch it to people. I feel like sometimes, and maybe I just don't understand the theological belief or, or the, the 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 scripture behind this, is that I, I do feel like sometimes Christians can play a little fast and loose with idolatry, like with physical objects having holy power. Yeah, as an aspiring member of the denomination that carries around body parts of saints, I feel a little bit called out by that. <laughs> so, okay, let me see if I can explain, though. So, in the typical fundagelical world, the only item that you are allowed to ascribe holy power to is a Bible. I was taught never to let a Bible touch the ground and never stack or put anything on top of a Bible. Of course, this is because Bible worship is completely accepted and taught in IFB circles, all IFB circles that I've ever been in, and a lot of evangelical circles, too. But that's another point. Larson, as I've been describing, breaks with typical fundy and evangelical thought in a couple of places, and one of those main places is ascribing power to physical objects, most notably the cross, which he had specially designed. Um, So the silver cross that you see him posing with and doing exorcisms with is... um, something he had custom made. It's decorated on one side and flat on the other side so he can shove it into somebody's skin and not leave a mark. Like, that's why it's flat on one side and bumpy on the other side. Interesting. So, I think he would... I have not, like, read his words on this. I think he would probably say, like, this physical silver cross does not have any holy power, but the image of the cross... Like what it stands for has power. That makes sense. That's that is what I strongly suspect he would say if you asked him. I was not able to find like a direct quote from him on that. That doesn't seem like an insane belief. No, and it's not that's not a atypical belief either. Like I was not raised to believe that any physical object like a cross necklace or anything like that could actually hold protective power over a person who wore it. But plenty of people do believe that. So I'm not, and I'm not necessarily trying to bash that belief. It's not something that I grew up with and it's not something that I take easily to. But I, you know, if if it makes you feel better, it makes you feel protected in this crazy world. I have no interest in trying to make you feel bad about that. Okay, so we've been talking about all of these exorcisms that he does. The major, that's the major thing he does these days. He travels with his wife, his daughter, and a rotating team of teenage girl exorcists doing spiritual warfare conferences, selling his books, and of course, doing plenty of live exorcisms, which he calls deliverance. He does, he uses both words. At these conferences, he also sells his online exorcism school. 
I can't tell you exactly how much it costs because he moves the prices constantly. The base price is about $1,000 to become a certified exorcist through his online school, but he will often give huge discounts. So one night you might see him at a conference and he's promoting this exorcism school for $1,000. But if you go see him the next night in a different city, he might quote you $750 or $500. He He moves the prices all the time because he can. If you want to hear an excellent podcast series talking about his conferences and exorcism school and all of that, Ono, Ross, and Carrie did like a 12-part investigation on him starting, I think, in fall 2020. Tons of, epi- tons of episodes, tons of information. The first episode is there, episode 266. So if you get interested in this guy, by all means, check out all of the Ono, Ross, and Carrie episodes. So for now, in 2022... Bob Larson's bread and butter seems to be these exorcism conferences, spiritual warfare conferences, where he sells all 37 of his books, including the novels he did write and the novel that he didn't write, the online exorcisms and his online exorcist school, and that is his business and brand right now. So that is your basic background on who this guy is. We are overdue. We got to go take up the offering. And when we come back, we're going to have fun. We're going to go through several of his videos of live exorcisms. We're going to discuss some more of his beliefs through the lens of what we see him practice in his own videos. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We are back from our break. We are talking about Bob Larson, exorcist extraordinaire. Exorcist extraordinaire who has many exploits. That's a good one. Three X's. But X, it, X, I mean, X. is he exploitative is what we are trying to determine. And that is a surprisingly tricky question to answer. Yeah. So in these, he's he, so he has numerous YouTube videos in which numerous. he is like, <laughs> He is he's at a conference like you can just go to YouTube and type in Bob Larson exorcism and like 50 videos will pop up. But in these videos, he's usually like at a conference where there's like uh, between like 20 and 40 people in the audience. He'll be he'll be doing an exorcism on like I don't know if the people that he's doing exorcisms on are actors 
or maybe there's some hypnosis going on or maybe they like like are really like feeling it like i honestly i can't tell i don't think they're actors because he will do these conferences he'll like give a message or a talk on something relating to his field of expertise and then he'll just roam through the crowd and either he will pick somebody and do an exorcism on them but often people will be like i need i need an exorcism i need you to to, to kick the demons out of me so it would take a lot of pre-planning for him to have planted people in the crowd. I think these are people who are conditioned into acting in a certain way. Do you think it's like a speaking in tongues type thing? Yes. The same sort of? Yes. I think it is huh. It is a religious hysteria plus groupthink plus societal conditioning plus Bob Larson is low-key a hypnotist. He's extremely charismatic, even if he's not like actually hypnotizing people. I mean, That's what okay. I have to say. Like, do, do you believe in demons and demon possession? No. Okay. I probably don't. Like, I'm like 95% no. But you and I, who are both proclaimed skeptics, how many hours have we spent this week watching this man's videos? Like five, six? Yeah. I was going to say I've watched about five hours of, of exorcism content, maybe a little bit more. It's so entertaining. He it's, is charismatic it, and entertaining. And can't you imagine if you met him in person that you would be very willing? I mean, I would let him do an exorcism on me just to see what would happen. There is, he is, and it is, it is impossible to know whether he has done this on purpose and made himself into that kind of person who can so subtly manipulate somebody that they would never even know it was happening. That could be the truth, or it could just kind of be natural charisma. Some people really are born that way. Yeah. So, um, did you see the one with the incest demon? That is the one where I do kind of think it might have been an actor. Yeah, because the guys, uh, I, I don't know how I, I felt about the guy's um, reaction to it. I, it didn't feel like completely honest to me. Um, but he do, had do you some, give that me- guy had the best evil laugh. A lot of these people get to show off their evil laugh, and this guy had the best one. So, do you want to give maybe a rundown of this video? Yeah, I don't have detailed notes, but I can do like so. This guy in this video was he tells Bob his he tells Bob that his friend brought him to this event because he felt that he needed an exorcism. He is a Christian and used to be a pastor, but he has gone down a bad path in life and he feels that he might have demons that are bringing him down this path. And then Bob Larson discovers an incest demon in him. And how many generations did he say it went back? This guy has an incest demon because he says that his mother was sexually abused by her father, which is a horrible thing to have happen to anybody. Yeah. Bob Larson kind of asks everybody about any past sexual abuse, because if there is any past sexual abuse in your life, uh, you automatically have a Jezebel demon because that's how the Jezebel demon gets into you. And I, going back to going back to the John Safran ex- exorcism, Bob is not telling these people it's their fault. He's not telling him like, oh, you're a bad person and that's why you have a demon. He's telling people, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Unfortunately, that's how Jezebel, the demon, gets into you. And now you have a Jezebel demon in you. It's kind of like, well, it's not your fault. You got um, you got uh, this uh, uh, infection. Here's some 
antibiotics, they should clear it up in about a week. Right. I'm so sorry you stepped on a rusty nail. I know you didn't mean to do that. Unfortunately, it's given you a life-threatening infection. (laughs) That is very much Bob's vibe in this. Have some penicillin. It should get cleared up and you'll be okay. Yeah. Could that be calculated to make people trust him so he can get a good exorcism on camera and continue to be famous and make money? I don't know. Yes, it could be. Do we think it is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) So this guy, he was a former pastor. Bob Larson finds just like a metric ton of demons in him and does a very dramatic exorcism with lots of screaming and yelling and writhing around and head shaking and evil laughter and different voices for the different demons and like it's very dramatic this guy says that his because because larson knows that this guy's mother was sexually abused so he says that he asked how many generations of this guy's family the demon has infected so, yeah, and the so guy- bob talks to the demon so he will address the person and say let me talk to this demon or let me talk to that demon and then the person will like do a different voice and present, like, change their body stature, like, the way they hold themselves, their posture, and speak in a different voice. This is the demon Jezebel. And then Bob Larson will talk to Jezebel, smack Jezebel around with the cross a little bit, and then he'll say, Jezebel, go down. I want to talk to Todd again. And then, like, the guy will change his posture back to his normal posture and speak in his normal voice while Bob talks to him. And then Bob will say, now I want to talk to Leviathan. Leviathan, come forward. And then, hello, this is Leviathan. And the guy will like do a different voice for Leviathan. So th- that's kind of how this looks. <laughs> but the demon says, I've infected this guy's family for 85 generations, which is roughly between 2,000 and 2,500 years. I mean, if you believe a demon can go down four generations, why not 85 generations? I mean, wouldn't it get like diluted? Uh, I I am kind of assuming that Bob believes the demon just follows one person in this bloodline. But as I said earlier, the more standard Christian take is that one individual demon can uh, uh, possess one individual person. But Bob's take is more like one individual demon can possess almost unlimited human people at the same time. Demons are really good multitaskers. Interesting. So the thing about the thing about this guy He says that he's been a Christian for 40 years and that he used to be a pastor. So maybe this is a person who's seen some exorcisms before and he is very suggestible to the idea that he should act really wild while he's possessed because he kind of knows the drill. How many Christians have seen an exorcism in person? Uh, It's got to be a minority, right? It's a minority. It's not none. I don't know. I would have to take an informal poll. Here we go again. It's me doing surveys again. (laughs) That's interesting. So if you've seen an exorcism in person, please comment in the Facebook group. Yeah, when we do the discussion post for this episode, let us know. I do not think I have seen an exorcism. Like, I don't know. I've seen some wild stuff. I've probably been I've probably been in the same room as an exorcism. Like, I guarantee that somebody did want it pastor school or youth conference or something and i was just like across the room and didn't directly witness it i would be shocked if i've never been in the same room as one i don't think i'm not coming i'm not coming up with here's here's the thing gabby here's (laughs) evangelicals do wild oh i'm aware i have seen a lot of wild (laughs) happen 
So I think it is plausible that there is a chance that I have seen an exorcism and just forgot. <laughs> you had a head injury too. So look, I have seen I have seen a lot of. Sh- uh, I have gotten bashed on the head a lot. <laughs> I have PTSD. You know, some exorcisms are are more forgettable than Bob Larson. <laughs> No, I don't think I've ever seen one, but I would be very surprised if I haven't been in the vicinity of one and just didn't know it. I bet you anything there were people doing them in like either Hiles Anderson Chapel. So, okay. So back to incest demon pastor guy. Um, (laughs) A brand new sentence. (laughs) No one has ever said that before. So just to close this one out, I'm going to do a play-by-play on the next one so we can get more into like the details of how he does an exorcism. The interesting thing about the close of this video is that Bob calls in the heavy hitters. So he brings up everyone in the audience who has done his exorcism school and has one of his special custom-designed silver crosses to help out and like finally cast all the demons out of this guy. And the guy does like an on-camera interview at the end, and he says he feels much better. Yeah, it's like a QVC-style testimonial. It's like an ITM from The Bachelor is what it's, it's like. like what, what I like when watching the like because he's watched the video back of himself getting the exorcism. And he says, what I like when watching the video is that there was a systematic approach that made sense. Mm-hmm. And then flashing in like the lower left-hand corner, it says, get Bob's blog. Text Bob to 22828 and order dealing with demons at boblarson.org. Like this whole thing is very like Gilderoy Lockhart. Extremely. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to go on to the Decibel demon? Let's talk about his systematic approach. I'm going to do a complete play by play. I typed extremely fast making this. You are welcome. Uh, Let's talk about how he does it. This video is titled. A crafty sex demon tries to hide from the real exorcist. (laughs) Okay, here's the caption on this one. This one does get into some child sexual assault. Um, No details, zero details. We don't need we don't need that for the purposes of this analysis. So the caption on this video, it gets it, it is wild from the first sentence. Uh, Patty was molested at age one and eventually turned to drugs and prostitution. All this because Freemason ancestors worshipped the demon god Moloch. This exorcism has it all. Jezebel, Lucifer, Moloch, and Incubus. This one was extremely entertaining. This one is a great example of how Bob like systematically does this. Um, again, we're not going to give any further details on the sexual assault components of this uh, because they aren't really relevant to how he does the exorcism anyway. Let's do a play-by-play. I want people who, for some reason, haven't watched these videos yet to understand the process of how he does this. Yeah, go hit <clears> it. <throat> All right. <sighs> so, Bob approaches a woman in the crowd at one of his conferences He notes that she has been laughing at him and mocking at him. He has her stand up to talk to him, and he says, I know that's not you who's been mocking me. That's the demon. And she nods. She expresses that she's sorry for mocking him, and she just kind of felt like she couldn't help herself. He asks her name. Her name is Patty. Patty's mother has been had been a victim of sexual assault in the past, and also Patty had been a victim at a very young age. 
Bob breaks off here. He breaks the fourth wall, talks to the crowd a little bit, hypes them up. He does a little comedy bit about the common idea that Christians can't have demons. So Bob is like, he's just heard this like horrible story. And his reaction is, um, well, I guess we better find somebody else to exercise. Isn't that right, folks? Because we all know Christians can't have demons. And the crowd laughs on cue. So that was interesting. Bob says, quote, when people are molested, it's almost a guarantee that the spirit of Jezebel is there. Jezebel is one of the most common demons Bob battles with. Jezebel turns up in every woman ever that he does an exorcism on, uh, and almost everyone in general ends up having Jezebel as one of their demons. It kind of feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If the person gets called up to the front of the room and they don't know what to say when he asks them what demon is in him, well, they know they can say Jezebel. Maybe I'm being too skeptical. Maybe I'm not being skeptical enough. You think that Jezebel would be like, oh, hey, Bob. (laughs) That is, we do see, we see certain examples of this in some of his videos where Jezebel is like, yeah, you know who I am. Yeah, you got me. I'll I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll grab, I'll pack my stuff and go. I know how this usually goes. Or she Um, wants to fight him. Sometimes Jezebel wants to fight Bob. So she's like, I'm not leaving this one. You can't get me again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which kind of feels like an extended improv. Yeah, but like if every if everybody's got the Jezebel demon, or if everybody wants to improv with Bob, I mean, I kind of want to improv with Bob. Oh, I absolutely do. So, uh, Bob identifies that the spirit of Jezebel is in Patty. He brings her up to the front of the room. Several men are standing stationed at the front of the room to help restrain those who are being exercised if things get too wild, which they usually do. Bob takes the sword of the spirit, which is invisible. He's pretending to hold a a sword and he pretends to stab Patty in the back. Uh, He says that this will force the sword of the spirit will force the demons to be honest with him. Uh, She reacts as if she's in great pain to this invisible sword that has stabbed her. Bob starts, Bob brings up Jezebel, the demon through Patty's body. He starts to ask Jezebel questions Patty's body answers these questions in a different voice, uh, the voice of Jezebel, who kind of usually talks like a kind of an 1890s saloon girl. That's kind of her. She's very flirtatious. Um, and and all of the people who improv Jezebel with Bob Larson typically have that's the vibe. It's like a very, very flirtatious, very sexual. So Jezebel, quote unquote, Jezebel, through Patty's voice, says that the generational curse on Patty goes back four generations on her mother's side and 14 generations on her father's side. Bob asked what spirit was worshipped that allowed these demons into Patty, and Jezebel answers Molech. For those who are unaware, Molech is an ancient god who some of the Israelites' enemies sacrificed babies to. Bob waves his Bible three times around Patty's head, to bind the demons with a threefold cord. So Bob says that he is attaching all of the multiple demons inside of her to each other so that he can kick them out as one entity. At this point in the exorcism, Patty very meekly says that she wants Jesus to set her free. Bob is really compassionate towards Patty about this statement, but he says, he almost like teases her, he razzes her a little bit to say that she's not being forceful enough. He's, his, his, uh, he's like, um, oh, come on now. 
you have freedom in Christ. You can't meekly be saying, I want Jesus to set me free. You got to be loud and proud about it. He's like a theater teacher. Yeah. And he's being encouraging, but he's also kind of negging her at the same time. He's kind of like, I, it got, it gave me very much the vibes of like when I was doing it, like when I would do a scene in theater class or like when we were doing improv games in theater class and be like, no, you have to like deliver your line. Like, like it was very much that vibe. I didn't like that he made fun of her, but that's more of a personal trigger. And I don't know if that's like majorly upsetting to most people or if it's just me. Bob pushes her to loudly say, in the name of Jesus, I have a right to be free. These demons have to leave me. Those curses on my mother's side and on my father's side, I break those curses. So this is this is kind of his pattern. He identifies the demon. He binds them with a the threefold cord by waving his Bible around their head. Sometimes he stabs them with the invisible sword of the spirit, and then he will break curses first before actually kicking out the demons. So Patty at this point, begins to present as Jezebel again. She laughs wickedly and says in a different voice, can I help you? Bob has Jezebel repeat, I, Jezebel, bind myself to all my kingdom, all the spirits I named. Together, we lift the curse. And he gets to lift the curse and Jezebel growls, no. Bob asks, Jezebel still in Patty's body, who doesn't agree? Is it Lucifer? Jezebel growls, yes. Bob explains that because Patty's ancestors were involved in Freemasonry, of course, Lucifer had to be involved. Of course, Lucifer was one of the demons in here. On a side note, it's really interesting that Bob treats Lucifer kind of just as another demon, not as like the big guy. Most Christians treat Lucifer as like the big guy, the guy in charge. Bob is more treating him like, oh, you're just another evil demon. Bob makes Patty repeat, I, Lucifer, am bound by all that Jezebel says. She speaks for me and for my kingdom, and I, too, lift the curses for this woman and future generations. This is another thing very common in Bob's exorcisms. He will have the demons lift the curse for all future generations, which the demons get really PO'd about. Typically, the person receiving the exorcism or the demons that are speaking through them, depending on how you see this whole thing, will refuse to lift the curse on future generations, and Bob will have to either smack them around with the crucifix a little bit or stab them with the sword of the spirit a couple more times to get the demons to say that they will lift the curse on future generations. Bob tells Lucifer to go down back inside of Patty and calls Jezebel back to the front. Bob, this was interesting. Um, I didn't see this in a lot of other exorcisms. This was fun. Bob calls on God to send the dogs of Jezreel to start eating Jezebel's flesh. Of Whoa! Course, no, well, if you remember the biblical story of Jezebel, that's how she died. She right. Jezebel was the wicked wife of King Ahab. They like stole land from people and were generally just really shitty to people. God didn't like it. He said that he would judge Jezebel. She was like, "No, you're not going to judge me." And then she fell out of a window and dogs ate her. I think also Ahab died in a gruesome way. Can't remember what it was. Was he in the burning hell? Were either of them in the burning hell? I think Ahab. Yeah, I think Ahab was mentioned there. Anyway, Bob calls on God. <laughs> Bob calls on God. This is a nightmare sentence for, <laughs> for 
people who mess up letters. Bob calls on God to send the dogs of Jezreel to start eating Jezebel's flesh. Uh, Jezebel writhes in, in Patty's body, writhes in pain and screams. Uh, Bob has Jezebel repeat, I, Jezebel, speaking for Lucifer and all of our kind, receive the judgment of Almighty God for what we did to this woman and all of her ancestors. Uh, Bob presses the crucifix to her forehead and says, Feel the torment, Jezebel! (laughs) I'm getting into the Bob impersonation. It's so entertaining to watch him do this stuff, though. I know. Like, this is interesting. Like, just line by line recapping a video is interesting because it's Bob Larson. Patty acts very differently. Her posture, her vocalizations, her facial expressions are drastically different depending on which demon is being called up by Bob. It's interesting, regardless of whether you believe that this woman is presenting demons or whether you believe that she is carrying on a very complex improv performance in front of a a crowd of people, it's interesting either way. Or whether you believe that she is just completely hypnotized uh, on purpose or accidentally. There are so many options and they're all fascinating. Uh, Jezebel is still in uh, Patty. They have not been kicked out to the pit yet. We'll get there. Jezebel has been tormented by the sword of the spirit and some other things, but Jezebel's still in there. Jezebel is still acting kind of flirty and fun, and Bob is like, hey, Jezebel, what's up? Like, you are still acting like you haven't been defeated yet. Jezebel informs Bob, you forgot one. Bob forgot a demon, or like missed a demon that was in Patty. It was the demon uh, Incubus. And Incubus has not been bound to Jezebel and Lucifer and all the other ones by the threefold cord. So Bob's got to go back and catch Incubus and make Incubus also lift the curse on Patty. She uses yet a different voice when speaking as Incubus. And then now that Bob has identified and named all of the demons on her and had her verbally announce that she rejects them and wants to be free and having all of the demons verbally announce. So... Jezebel announced that she broke the curse. Then Bob had to make Lucifer say, whatever Jezebel says goes for me too. And then Bob had to find Incubus and had to make Incubus also lift the curse on Patty and future generations. And future generations! Say it! Say and future generations! That's what Bob does. He will like repeat and yell at people and get increasingly in their physical space until they repeat what he tells them to repeat. After he's gotten all the demons to do all that stuff, Bob banishes them to the pit, which is always like his sign-off phrase for exorcisms. Uh, he gets, he will get the demons to say, we go now to the pit. And then often demons will, or the person who is being exorcised, <laughs> will refuse to repeat the word pit because that is the word that magically makes them all leave. So Bob will have to yell at the person and get two inches from their face until they finally say pit in the voice of the demon, at which point uh, the person getting exercised, in this case Patty, screams and writhes and fights the men who are holding her up by the arms. The audience gets involved. They hold up their crosses and their Bibles. They scream, come out of her. Go to the pit. Come out, demons, in Jesus' name. That sort of thing. They improv along with the scene that's playing out. She screams and writhes some more. And then when she stops screaming and writhing around, the audience breaks into applause. She has been 
freed of her demons. Patty says, thank you, Jesus. And we cut to her ITM at the end. She says she really believes that the Lord set her free from a spirit of Jezebel. Even though she went to Christian ministry school, she still had a demon inside of her. The end. Roll credits. (laughs) (laughs) This is so like. So, of course, Patty's exorcism will be linked in our Patreon show notes post so that you all can check it out and let me know how I did with recapping it. I just got to like catch a breath. That was exhausting. (laughs) The thing that I found was interesting about this is that his approach, it's very like, I want to say legalistic. Like he keeps bringing up that he he'll ask the demons, do you have a legal authority over this person? Yeah, I'll explain that in like a minute. Actually, I'll explain that now. Never mind. So so Bob believes that demons can have what he calls a legal right to possess someone, even if they are a Christian. And it comes through a couple of avenues. The big one, of course, is a generational curse. One of your ancestors did something evil or made a deal with a demon or sexually assaulted somebody or got sexually assaulted. And that demon that got in through that action has been following your bloodline ever since. This is just for fun. Uh, Bob Larson also has written that he believes you can get possessed if you love your car too much. That's from one really? of his books. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so that's what he's talking about when he says legal right. So demons that you catch, like you catch a cold, they don't have a legal right to be there. So Bob doesn't have to get them to revoke their legal rights to you by breaking the curse. He can just kick them out. Demons who have a, quote, legal right to be there because of bloodline or because you invited them in somehow, that's when Bob has to get the person being exercised to verbally denounce the demon. Then he's got to get the demon to break the curses. Then he can kick the demon out. This makes sense. I guess. But, if I you mean, believe in demons. If you, right. <laughs> right. Like, it. Um, Bob Larson's lore is consistent. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it, like within universe. In universe, it makes sense. If there's a Bob Larson cinematic universe, he's not going to have to worry about doing a bunch of retcons. Right. No, like it. it is all very consistent within his little belief structure, within his current belief structure. Things that he said like 30, 40 years ago no longer align with his current beliefs, but his beliefs have been really consistent for like the last 20 years or so at least. So do you want to move on to the the stupidity demon? I do in a minute. I want to say one more thing about Patty. Go for it. I just, I don't think she's a paid actress. Oh, I don't either. I, I don't think she's put up to this. I, did, I just don't. I, I think it is a form of hypnosis. I was listening to a podcast about hypnosis the other day, actually. And what you see, you probably know this, but what you see stage hypnotists do, they are not really putting someone into a state where they are completely unaware of everything going on outside their head and they will not remember anything they did and they are totally not themselves and under the control of another person. That's not really possible to do with somebody that you just met on stage. What stage hypnotists do is they put someone in a social situation where they are expected to play along with what the hypnotist says. They tell you to bark like a dog, you're expected to bark like a dog. If they tell you to flap your wings like a chicken, you're expected to flap your wings like a chicken. That person has the social freedom to do what they're told, even if it's silly or embarrassing, 
And most importantly, it is less embarrassing to do whatever the hypnotist tells you than it would be to not play along. The social pressure is in favor of doing whatever the hypnotist says, even if it is silly or embarrassing. So this tracks to Bob Larson because the social pressure is in favor of pretending to have a demon. And whatever you do to express, if you do funny voices, you do funny body movements, you scream and writhe and whatever curse and swear, that is what the social pressure is telling you to do. Because Bob has told you you have a demon. You're on stage in front of all these people. What are you going to do? You're going to act like you have a demon. Or maybe like you were raised a Christian and you're having all of these mental or emotional troubles. And you think, maybe I do have a demon, and Bob Larson comes up to you, and he points at you, he singles you out of the crowd, and says, do you have a demon? And you're thinking, maybe I don't I know, have maybe I do. And then you say, yes, I have a demon. Then he does all of this stuff to you, and you like- And asks you leading questions, and is very kind and compassionate towards you, the human person who he says have, has a demon. Like, of course this is going to work on people. Of course, people are going to improv along with him and have a demon. He's also been telling his audience to think about their biggest pain points. He's been having people focus on and think about what hurts them and where they've been wronged and think about what demons might have a legal right to you. And then he picks a person from the audience and he's yelling and getting in their space. He's smacking them in the head with a Bible and demanding that the demons inside them name themselves. I mean, at that point, you're in it. <laughs> What are you going to do at that point? No, I, I decided I don't have a demon. He's going to yell at you more and have his people up at the front restrain you. So that's where we get into consent because those people consented to be there. A lot of the people traveled there in the hope that Bob would perform an exorcism on them. They have seen them online. They know exactly what's going to go down and they actively consent to that. But once you're in it, there's no safe word, which is a consent issue. So that's where we get into this really dubious area of like, did they consent? Yes. Were they able to give full informed consent? Maybe. Because, I mean, technically you can consent to do something, sexual or not, without a safe word. That is something that you can consent to. But is meeting somebody at an exorcism conference really conducive to getting that extremely high level of consent? Uh, I would say no. So I, I don't know. I go really back and forth on this. But then, like, once you're into it, he just yells a lot of repeat-after-me stuff at the person. So, like, bind the demons together, renounce their legal authority, break curses, say some evil shit, give up authority over future generations, and then say, I go to the pit, and you gotta fight me on pit. And, and then, like, that's it. And I feel like once the person is in it, it's easier for them to play along. Okay, let's go to Stupidity Demon. So, Sadie sent me this video of Stupidity Demon. I looked at the thumbnail to the video and I was like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> I was, oh man. Well, the thumbnail says stupidity demon and the image is Bob putting the silver cross on the forehead of a black man. And holy shit, that seems like it is going to be so incredibly racist. Yeah, I was like, oh no, oh God, no, what am I about to watch? <laughs> So, of course, the idea of generational curses runs very easily into racism. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's not surprising because it's a wild spinoff of the Curse of Ham idea to begin with. And this does come off really racist. 
yeah, let's let's get into it because this is I am not saying this video is not racist. I am saying this video is more nuanced than it appears. The thumbnail is really misleading. Yeah, this video isn't as like it's racist, but in a weird way that's different than you think. That's um, it. That's it. It is not typical fundamental racism. It's it's a different, very different flavor. The very uh, first thing that Bob asks this guy is, are your demons from Africa or America? So cringe right off the top there. The man receiving the exorcism says they're from America. And Bob maybe seems a little bit surprised. And then Bob asks what evil his ancestors did to get this demon. Well, may, if they were from Africa, it would probably be uh, playing rock and roll music because uh, as the <laughs> chieftain, rock and roll is of the devil. Yeah, well, because the chieftain in the chick uh, comic said that that's the, the the music that they use to summon the most evil of demons. Right. <laughs> Notice the thing is that I noticed because in the interview with Saffron, he asked Saffron to forgive Hitler. But he doesn't ask this guy to forgive the people who enslaved and kidnapped mm-hmm. his ancestors, which I guess is which I guess is an improvement. Is this, so- yeah, I was going to say, is this better? <laughs> is this an improvement over two thousand four, Larson? Yeah, because like, did he decide like, oh, that's kind of a shitty thing to do? Maybe I should not do that. Or did he decide, eh, kidnappers and slaveholders don't really need forgiveness? Like, you know which, what? What's going on in his head? Right, because what his his take is on this guy's demon is that this guy has a demon of stupidity that his ancestors brought in when they uh, when when they gave up on God because they had seen so they'd experienced so much horror from being enslaved, and he said that apparently this demon is common in African Americans. Right. Okay. So so Bob says, what did your ancestors do? And the man says they gave up and like submitted to slavery instead of fighting harder for their independence. And then they turned away from God because of the pl- the pain of slavery. Bob's initial response to this is pretty compassionate because he acknowledges the harm of slavery in a way that you don't see a lot of white evangelicals do with its sincerity that you don't see a lot of white evangelicals express in the year of 2022. But here's, I'm going to read Bob's exact quote from this. I actually find this with quite a few African Americans. And who can blame them? After the brutality and oppression they went through, some of them finally gave up. Many of them turned to witchcraft because it was all they felt they had left. I, you know, I would call that a compassionate response. Yeah. Perfect response? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but that is like, that is a level of compassion for enslaved people and acknowledgement of the harms of slavery that I would love to see from more white Christian evangelicals. That would be a great step for a lot of people. Hopefully a few more steps after that, but that would be a, that would be better. Bob speaks to the ancestor who gave up, who is apparently like still contactable through this man. And at this point, the man begins to weep profusely. I do not believe that Bob Larson was actually speaking to this man's ancestor through his current corporeal form. 
but this man being exercised was carrying generational trauma. And this was clearly a healing experience for him. I did like that Bob did not blame his ancestor for the supposed uh, demon-inducing activity of giving up. But Bob didn't blame him for it. <laughs> so yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. Bob doesn't blame the ancestor, and he does not blame this guy for having generational trauma, and he does not shame him for being a grown man crying in front of a room of people. Still racist? Yeah. I'm not trying to make Bob Larson out to be some kind of saint, but there is a stark difference between him and typical fundy evangelical thinking and him and typical fundy evangelical racism. So this is the point that the man getting the exorcism says that he has a demon of stupidity. I have mentioned that Bob will ask a lot of leading questions of people and like lead them into what demon he wants them to say. That doesn't happen here. Uh, this man said it is the demon of stupidity and he defines stupidity. He's not saying he's not smart. He's saying that he continually makes bad decisions in life and he feels that this is because of demonic influence. So that's where I say this video is slightly less racist than you see on the sticker and maybe the sticker is clickbait. Bob is clearly doing clickbait better than like Paul and Morgan or, you know, Brittany Dawn or Girl Defined, you know, because he's not... uh asking is demonic <laughs> possession allowed in a christian marriage <laughs> <laughs> ah. so, so i feel like we've just done a section where we've given a lot of grace to bob i want to talk about some of his other racially charged videos where i have a lot fewer nice things to say about him there's a video where bob exercised a quote jihadi demon end quote Oy they <laughs> yes yikes Yes. <laughs> From a young woman who was born to Muslim parents in Pakistan, she has since converted to Christianity, but, quote, is still tormented by demons of anger and violence, end quote. Uh, Bob Larson decides that her demons are from, he asks her, are they from Mecca or Medina, which are the two cities that Bob has heard of that have something to do with Islam. Well, they're the two holiest cities in Islam. But leading questions... Bob doesn't say where are the demons from. He says Mecca or Medina because those are the two options. And then she just has to like pick an option to continue this improv. He calls this is this is bad, folks. Um, he calls her demons jinns uh, for like the rest of the exorcism because they're Muslim demons, so they're jinns instead of demons. Then he says, "You conquered by the sword, but our sword is more powerful." And he fake stabs her in the stomach with the invisible sword of the spirit. Uh, yeah, that, this one was bad. This one was super, super <laughs> racist and Islamophobic and awful. Because this woman had demons because her parents were Muslim. That is like, and because she was born in Pakistan, that's why she had demons. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, really, Yikes. really extra bad. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> <gasps> what? Yeah, that's no. that one's an ouchy one. So I I want to give him the tiniest bit of credit for being very non-judgmental of the individuals he's dealing with. It, it is not your fault that he, so his like take is like it is not your fault that you were born a race that has demons. Uh so it's just like it's racism in a shell of I don't want to harm you. And the problem 
with racism that does not seek to harm the target of your racism, because this is a thing. There are plenty of people who would never dream of hurting someone of the race that they are racist against. The reason that that is not acceptable and still harmful is that it perpetuates systemic racism and it perpetuates personal harm because one person is a person who would never actually seek to harm uh, the person of the race that they are racist against, but they teach that racism to their children and their children may seek to harm someone of that race. Their children will vote for policies that disadvantage people of that race. Their children will prevent people of that race from having economic or educational opportunities. <laughs> so like, this is not, I don't like saying harmless racism because that does not exist. Or like, what if you were watching this video and say you were a, a Christian, you, you, you found Christianity and your family was Muslim um, and you watch this video and you're just like, wait, does this mean that I have demons because simply because um, I, I, my family is Muslim? Yeah. That's, that's a problem that that could cause like a lot of like internal pain internal like mm -hmm. issues I, yeah mm. but i think it's more of a problem if someone who is a christian who is already islamophobic and racist watches this video and goes oh anyone whose parents were muslim or who was born in the middle east has demons that means i should what go try to do an exorcism on my neighbors that means what i should go harm people at a mosque this is how, like, this racism that appears maybe more harmless to people who are white is not harmless. And that's that's something that I've been, I don't know, learning a lot. Well, it's the same sort of thing we were talking about with, like, those provocateurs that it's not like most of the people. It's the one person who's going to see that thing and then take it too far. Right. It perpetuates these systems who hurt people and it creates the individuals who hurt people. I do want to do one final point of fairness on the racist demon thing. I did find quite a few videos where Bob Larson immediately goes for the generational curse for white people based on their country of origin. So when he did exorcisms in Ukraine, he exorcised a lot of Russian demons. And I have seen him do this for white people, the same process that he does for people of color. Like, where, what's your family background? Oh, Irish? Oh, you've got a Celtic demon. What's your family background? Oh, you're Scandinavian? you got a Nordic demon. Wait, is a Celtic demon like a leprechaun? You have a leprechaun up in you? I don't know. But that's probably <laughs> like, I mean, I assume that's the demons that Bob Larson would have to find in me because I have a lot of Irish, Scottish, and Welsh um, ancestry. And then like some very random stuff. But my, my dad's DNA test was like 2% Pakistan. So... I might have one of those too. So if you want Sadie to get Bob Larson to come on the show and pull a leprechaun out of her, then... <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> okay. Once again, brand new sentence. No one has ever said that before. Oh my god. Okay. So the the difference, like I've seen him do, like I saw him in the the one the Skype exorcism where he got the QAnon demons out of the one lady. He tried to get Italian demons out of her husband, Sicilian demons out of her husband. Italian demons, like mm -hmm. what, like Super Mario? No, mafia. <laughs> <laughs> they were mafia demons. <laughs> it's -a me, uh, the Italian demon. <laughs> 
should have me play Super Mario, not Chris Pratt. He didn't. That, I was about to say that. <laughs> okay. So what I noticed, well, because I was looking to just like, I wanted to look and see like, where is the racism if he is exercising ethnic group demons from white people? And I was thinking about it. I was like, I know something's off here. And then I realized what it was. I have seen him exercise Russian demons, Scottish demons, Sicilian demons, Italian demons, uh, Nordic demons, and he gets hyper-specific with white people demons, but all people with indigenous American ancestry have a Native American demon. All people from India have a Hindu demon, and all people with brown skin and dark skin have African demons. So he basically... What I'm saying is that Bob Larson does not know that Africa is not a country. That's where the racism comes in. Because if he sees a white person, he's like, well, where were your ancestors from? What countries? Do you know what you have and like what heritage you have in your background? And if he sees a black person, he's like, African demons. Got it. That's that's why I draw the line of calling this racist, even though he goes into everybody's background. That's what makes this racist, in my opinion. So I happened to find one video with a black man who did not go straight to African demons. Um, he had, according to Bob, a Freemason spirit because evidently his grandfather was a 33rd degree Mason and drank blood from a skull. Whoa! Yes. <laughs> uh, Bob Larson did ask a lot of leading questions to get that skull confession out of him. But unless he edited it out, there were no African demons on that one video. I understand that this has been a lot of back and forth about the demon racism. I really get that. But I felt like it was important to cover as a whole and not just breeze past it. So you want to know what my favorite part of all of this is? Oh, please tell me. So down in the lower left hand corner of the screen, it'll it's like flashing. You know, like usually, like in an infomercial, it says "call now." Flashing, no, but the whole on this thing one, looks like an infomercial. It, it very much is. But Do it, you it, have trouble with demons? No, but it literally says it's flashing down in the corner of the screen. Do you have a demon? Find out at demontest.com. Mm. And you have to register to use demontest.com. So, of course, we registered a few days ago. Yes, and now, um, so for, uh, we're going to go on the Patreon and take the demon test, and we'll tell the results to everybody. Uh, we haven't actually taken the test yet, so we're going to do that on, uh, like, live on the Patreon. We'll talk about the questions that are on there, but we'll come back and deliver the results. So you, we'll come back from Patreon and we'll uh, tell everybody what yeah, we'll tell are. everybody because we okay. can't keep that from you guys. So I've got we, my score. <laughs> so we are back from our Patreon. And Sadie and I have both taken this demon test. Uh, Sadie, do you want to first? So it, it gives you a numerical score. I don't know what the score goes up to. I know what my score is, but I don't know what like a high score is on this or what a low score is. So on this. Let, we can do this math. Uh, responses are evaluated as follows. Items marked never have no value. Items marked past are scored as one point. Items marked currently are scored as two points. Crucial questions one through seven add one additional point to the final score. So your max score would be one through seven having three points each, which is 21, and then eight through 21 having two points each, which is what, 24, 25, 26. So your max score would be 36, 46, 56, if my okay. extremely quick math is right. 
well, you're very good at math, so I assume that it's right. You're like, she's like a calculator. Like, I have a crazy memory for conversations, and Sadie has a crazy calculator brain. That's the... Jonathan uh, is way better than I am at mental math. So I forget that I'm good at it because he's so much better at it. He is freaky good. Very impressive. Um, so I'm I'm assuming that the maximum score is 56. Uh, be, I got a 24. It says you are at moderate risk for de- demonic oppression slash, slash possession. So I got your test score is 14. You are at low risk for demonic oppression slash possession. Oh, so what we got, we got, so for each question, like the first question was, do you sometimes exhibit uncontrollable outbursts of anger or violence? And then under that, I have two downloadable videos that I can click to order an MP4 of from Barb Larson that will help me with my anger. One is called The Six Strongholds of Satan. Explains why unresolved emotions such as fear, anger, rejection, depression, self-hatred, and abuse are doorways to the soul. The other one is called Can a Christian Have a Demon? Uh, The description explodes the myth that Christians are automatically protected by the sins of their ancestors once they confess Christ. Valuable insights into how Christians are cleverly targeted by demons. I'm going to click on one and just see how much it is. It is $4.95 for this MP4 video download. Yeah, I'm not paying money for an MP4 video download like I'm buying a song on iTunes in 2007. That's absolutely not happening. I'm not either, but I will say, so there are 21 questions on this test, and under each question, even if you checked, so I'm looking at questions that I checked no on, even on the questions that I said I have never experienced this problem, there are still two videos automatically recommended under each section to help me deal with that particular issue. Oh no, I see. On the ones that I checked never on, there are not there are not um, videos that come up. So for me, I, I, I scrolled down to uh, uh, question 18, which was, have you failed repeatedly in significant relationships? Uh, and it gave me Larson's library downloads uh, for 16 hours of videos, hours of videos for twenty nine ninety five. Honestly, what's the other one it gave you on that one? The other one it gave me on that was spiritual warfare prayers. Okay. See, it, because I have the same two. I so I have some of the questions that I checked never on still have videos and some of them don't because I believe I checked never on that one or did I say in my past? Cuz I have the same two videos anyway. So it's it's automatically recommending the same two videos. So according to Bob Larson, I'm one of the 50% who probably doesn't have demons. That is crazy to me. So I my score says that I'm only at moderate risk, but my great-grandfather was a 33rd degree mason, so I absolutely have a demon. So if they asked if you have family that are members of Masons or Illuminati, how would I respond? Cuz my family are all Jews, but I don't know if they're in the Illuminati or not. I'd have to ask John Todd. Well, I don't know if Bob Larson is in communion with John Todd on that issue. Because he didn't say, when he did the John Safran exorcism, he didn't say, you have demons because your family is Jewish and therefore Illuminati. He said, you have demons because of the Holocaust, and it's not your fault, so let's get those demons out. You know what? But my family wasn't really in the Holocaust. Like, they'd gotten out of there by that time. So maybe they have, like, Russian demons. Like, the the You probably got Russian demons, yeah. Yeah. Because your family went through Russia on the way to here. 
Yeah, well, that's where they they lived for a while. They probably got, uh, I probably got like slavery demons from the Romans. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely, you definitely got some of those. Um, I have uh, one ancestor somewhere back that came up as like two percent in my dad's ancestry DNA thing, who was Pakistani. Um, so I absolutely had demons from that, according to Bob Larson. And then my, yeah, my great grandfather was a 33rd degree Mason. So I definitely have demons from that. Yeah, I'm sure I got demons. So closing thoughts, Sadie, on Bob Larson. Do you think he's a grifter or do you think he's a true believer? Like, I, I honestly want to know. I, I, cause I don't know where I land on this. This, this has just been so truly wild. It is really, really hard to make that determination. I thought it would be easy. I started watching these videos and I started researching this man and I thought, oh, he is a racist grifter uh, because he is taking advantage of all of these people who think that they have demons and he is extorting thousands of dollars in exorcism schools and Skype exorcisms and book purchases and all of this. Just think about the money demon test used to cost money demon test used to be 9.99 to take that test that we just took and he's recently made it free for bob larson reasons and then he's using it if we bought all of those recommended videos so some of them are repeated i have the one six strongholds of satan and can a christian have a demon those two pop up multiple times in my recommended videos based on the questions that i answered but still if i bought all of those videos including larson's library 16 hours of teaching on demons um <laughs> that would be hundreds of dollars worth of videos at least a hundred bucks of videos i'm not going to do the math on that at the moment because i'm tired but he he tells people they have demons and then he extorts them up to $1,000 for exorcist school, $100 for the custom-designed cross that he carries around. You can have one of your own. I think Ona Rossin carries that it was around $100 for that. He sells Bibles that have spiritual warfare prayers in them, I believe. He sells dozens of books and dozens of videos and i can't get over 295 dollars for a skype exorcism that is so expensive so i i watched all of this and i was really ready to call him a grifter and i was listening back to as much of the oh no ross and carrie episodes as i could before recording this episode because i really respect ross and carrie and They've been guideposts for me on deconstruction for many years. And their show is so freaking entertaining. It's so good. It's so good. And Ross and Carrie, who are professional investigators of paranormal and religious activity, who are skeptics, very neither one of them is a believer, and attended not only the full Bob Larson Exorcism School, but several of these live in-person conferences. Ross even participated and was one of the people who was holding up the demon-possessed person during these exorcisms. All of that, they've spoken to him in person, they've had extensive contact with this guy, and they thought he was a true believer. These are not naive people. These are not gullible people. These are reasonables, reasonable, skeptical, curious people, and they're the last people I would expect to be taken in by a grifter. Having watched the videos... I absolutely perceive that he's a grifter, but I respect 
Ross and Carrie's opinion a lot. They really were convinced that he truly believed in all this stuff. So I don't know what to tell you. You want to know why I think he's a true believer? Please tell me. It's the QAnon thing. Mm, mm, good catch. If he see here's here's my if he was a grifter, I think he would have gone full Q. Because he would have seen like that's a huge market for him. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if like if you're a grifter, if your whole thing is like hawking bull, and you see a bunch of people that are into the whole Q thing, and you're already in line with them on a lot of things spiritually, like you're already in with the whole satanic panic thing, then it is easy for you to take that extra step and go full Q and. They're going to believe you because naturally you're on their side. It's not like you're ideologically carpetbagging. You know what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. like like it's not like you're somebody else from the outside who's just showing up and being a part of this thing and somebody can like Google you and find out in three seconds that you're not about that life. He could like pop up and say, Yeah, this QAnon thing is real, and people could go back and they're like, Yeah, he was in with the satanic panic thing. He was in with this uh with this devil thing, with this demonic thing. Um, he knows all about that stuff and he was talking about this stuff for a long time. Like this guy is our guy. If he wanted to and he was f- going full grifter, then he could jump right into the Q thing. It would be seamless and he could get all sorts of people to do his exorcism school. He could get all sorts of people to pay for his exorcism Skype sessions, but he says, no, QAnon is a cult. It's like not real. It's fake. It's, um, and he was already publicly a Trump fan. Yeah. It's not like there was even any social stigma for him. If he had jumped in on the QAnon train. Like if you're a Trump fan and you're not a QAnon guy, that is a very that I don't want to say all Trump people are QAnon people because I know that they're not. Like there's there's a huge overlap there. I think it takes some guts to be a fan of Trump and not be into QAnon. Very strongly disagree with both of those ideologies, uh, and of course the massive overlap between the two. But I I do think it takes some guts. I can give them that. To be a Trump fan, to be a satanic panic guy who goes and gives people exorcisms professionally, and to not be a QAnon guy, that is... No, you're right. Yeah, that's why I think that this guy is a true believer. That's, I think yeah. maybe he's a true believer who has found a way to profit off his true belief. Maybe he feels like all the profit he makes off of this is what he deserves for his great service to the world in ridding the world of demons. Maybe that's it. You know what? I think that's a good note to end on. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, This has been truly... (laughs) Subscribe to the Patreon for a very, very, very extended version of today's episode in which Sadie and I talk a lot about Slayer and Bob Larson's time with Slayer. Um, And And of course, take the demon test live and uncensored. Yeah, you can hear us take the demon test and the whole episode. um, It's going to be uncensored. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just I wanted to do something for Halloween that was scary and creepy. But I think we traditionally do something pretty fun for Halloween. So I hope this has fit the bill and let us know what your thoughts are on Bob Larson. I'm very excited to hear what our fans will think of this. You know what? I'm really excited uh, to, to see what people say about this because this was a lot of fun. Um, tune in on Thursday where I will have released um, 
up by Thursday, episode one, the remastered version that should pop up in your feeds. Um, cause when I uh, re upload uh, the, the new episodes or whatever, it automatically makes them pop up again, I guess. Um, I don't know why it does that. The distributor is just like that. So that'll pop up in your feed on Thursday. Um, um, when I get the, the old episodes re remastered, re-released so that you guys can listen to them and they're better to listen to and you'll enjoy them more. Make sure that you follow our social media. Uh, join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. And you can uh, share your demon test results there with all of the other listeners, which will be super fun. <laughs> if you guys want to take the demon test. Oh, uh, man. God. Be aware. If you're not a patron, be aware. It is fairly intense and could be triggering to some people. So just the the demon test is probably the least fun part about this episode. Just just be aware. Listening to us take the demon test is probably fun, but you taking it might not be fun because the questions have zero chill. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Uh, is there anything else that I left off? Um, I think that's I think that's it. There will be a lot of Patreon for this episode. Yeah, a lot of it. Uh, so join our Patreon to to listen to that, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden Podcast. You can follow our social media, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast, on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. Sadie, go for it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie, and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.